All right, guys, welcome. This is uh, a very special episode of Inappropriate Earl. You know, we're at like 200 and I believe 35 episodes. I make guests come to me because it's the only way I do it. I'm not set up for Skype or any other forms of doing this until today because this next guest is so special to me, such a good dude that we're just figuring out a way to make it work. And it's like I said before, you know, in the world of stand-up comedy, you see people at a comedy club, you say, hey, what's up? You catch up with them. You consider them friends, but you don't really know them. And that's with comics in the same city. So when it's a comic on the other end of the country, it's even more so that I consider him a friend, but I don't really know him that well, other than our love of pro wrestling. But he's got a new comedy album coming out. You've seen him on Conan at midnight, I believe, in uh, Road to Roast Battle. Uh, please give it up, inappropriate Earl fans, for the one, the only, the great Dan St. Germain. Holy shit, that's the best intro I've ever gotten in my entire life. Thank you so much. This is like, that's the intro where afterwards you find out I have like 36 bodies buried on my property. But uh, I really appreciate you having me on, Earl. Well, it's like, I really meant what I said. Like, I consider you a friend, even though we may have been in a room together, I, I don't know, four times. Yeah, I know. Uh, you're a great guy. Well, you're a great guy and a great comic, which I wish more people that I know personally would uh, use you as like the... Uh, go-to guy of, you don't have to be a dick in this business to be successful. <laughs> you know, it helps, but uh, it's... Uh, yeah, it helps get to that <laughs> next level. <laughs> it helps. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm really glad I, I could do the podcast, and uh, you were talking about uh, wrestling. I, I don't know if you knew this, I'm doing the Pritchard Roast tomorrow in Chicago. So yeah, I've been, I, mean, I, I, I saw that, and... Uh, for those of you who don't know, Bruce Pritchard is uh, really a legend in the pro wrestling circles. He, he was known for some of you older fans as a brother love, which is uh, one of the great all-time characters uh, in the world of pro wrestling. But uh, how did you come about getting that gig? Dude, it's just, it's kind of like, I feel like the wrestling community is very similar to the comedy community, where... I uh, I was just a fan of David Shoemaker, who is a, a co-host. I've been co-hosting. I'm probably doing it next month, too. Um, I, I co-host The Ringer on Bill Simmons' network, uh, The the Mass Man Show. I've been doing it all this month. I'm doing it all next month. Uh, and I was a fan of David's writing, and I started listening to his podcast, Cheap Heat, and then me and David were on a show where we struck up a friendship, and then I just kind of started doing... You know, regular guest co-hosting on uh, his show, uh, and I had mentioned that I had always wanted to like comment on a wrestling match. So I commented, uh, "Joey Janela's lost in New York uh, a week and a half ago," and I totally fucked it up. But I told the story on the podcast, um, and I guess it was funny enough that one of the fans just tweeted at Conrad Thompson uh, and said he should be on. And then I had, you know, I had friends who were already on the dais. So between like the people who had tweeted at Conrad and then the friends I had on the dais, you know, I uh, I got the gig. I mean, you know, it's it's like uh, you know, it's not like a money gig, but it's like a, it's just a fun you know thing to do. And I'm I'm legitimately nervous. I'm going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> so we'll see well, what yeah, happens. Some of these guys, uh, like when I did the Iron Sheik roast, uh, 
uh, at the comedy store, I was told pretty much, you know, everything's, uh, you know, nothing's off limits. Uh, and then uh, Brutus uh, Beefcake got legit pissed at something I said, and uh, he wanted to fight me. Like, uh, so I think that's the danger with these pro wrestling roasts, especially with older guys, uh, that, you know, they don't necessarily know what a roast is about. Yeah. And so they, they get offended and it's like, well, dude, this is what it is. This, we're supposed to make fun of you because we love you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so, this is one of these things too, where like, you know, I'm not, I mean, I've written, I've written for like one roast, um, but I've, uh. I've, I've, I actually haven't done the roast ba- road to roast battle, but I've like roasted with Mike Lawrence, who's really great at it, and um, and I think like uh, Annie Letterman, who's really good at it. Um, but like I, I, I'm not really like a roast guy, but I've done like you know friends roasts like De- Joe DeRosa and Sean Patton, um, but I've never done you know I've never done uh, this, so it'll be it'll be crazy. I think I got to look for an escape route just well, in case I, mean, I think yeah i mean uh, in case something goes south who else is on the uh who else are you roasting i don't know like who i'm allowed to say i mean i i should look at the graphic right now if it's great yeah, you uh, better I, when, when we when we look at it right now um because it should have some some of the people i know are a surprise so i don't want to like mess oh, okay, up the, right, res- right. The, the, the the surprise but I know that uh, you know. I know Bruce is going to be on there. Um, I know Conrad's going to be on there. Conrad Thompson, who does eighty host. Yeah, who's co- who's go is a great guy. Um, I'm trying to look at the images to see who they've had. Who they have they announced anybody? That's the thing that I'm nervous of. I'm nervous that they're going to uh, that that I'm going to show this. Yeah, roasters to be announced. It hasn't. It hasn't said it yet. I thought there was a graphic on there, but there's going to be a lot. It's it. it there, there's some A-listers on it. You know, it's not going to be. You know, it's it, it's it's not going to just be. You know, like guys you haven't heard of before. Like there's there's a lot to dig into. The only thing that's been like difficult about this one is like, I have no problem going after comics. You know, like on a roast, but me and the comics were talking about it, and we're like, we really should. I don't think any of the comics are going after other comics because nobody knows who the fuck we are on that show. You know, it's well, like yeah, that's the weird thing is like uh, you know, and it, it's kind of that's what's probably the most similar from a roast to a roast battle is like nobody knows who we are for the most part. So you know, the inside jokes that you might know about say me, people are probably going to be like, who the hell's Earl? And then you know, I rip into you. It's like, well, I don't know who Dan's last girlfriend was, so it's not really funny to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, it's it, it's going to be one of those things, and I, I really don't like. I don't, you know, like I, you know, like I'm I'm one of these guys. Like I like doing these type of roasts. I don't really want to do, um, like, you know, I don't want to do like, um, roast battling anymore. I'm just not. I'm first off, I'm not particularly good at it. Um, You're too nice. Well, I just, I, I think I just, I, honestly, dude, I think I'm, I, I don't think it's a too nice thing because I've definitely, I've definitely been a dick in my life before, uh, like, you know, numerous times. Uh, I, I don't think you go to, you know, to uh, rehabs without making some fucking mistakes, but uh, I just don't, I choke. I, I choke. Like, I've never, like, as a stand-up, I've either done well or bombed, but I choke when I do a roast. 
And it's like well, a very different, it's a very different feeling to choke something. Well, you always, I'll give you this. You go, you only go up against the best. Like you've gone up against Mike Lawrence, who's one of the best, if not yeah. the best. Yeah. And, uh, Annie Letterman, she doesn't really do it a lot, but she's great at it. Yeah. She's uh, great at it when she does it. You know, I think, you know, like I would say I'm similar to Mike in the sense that we're both really nice guys, but we have a button that when we go to roast battle, we hit it and I could be roast battling my mother and I would rip into her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, and that's I don't the know thing. You is, have that button. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I made a joke with Mike where, uh, well, if we're going to get beat up by somebody, hopefully it's a guy who still has money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so. I, I, but, I mean, it's different, like, you know, because I think a lot of people sometimes confuse roast battle with, like, what you're doing tomorrow night or, you know, the Rob Lowe roast that you wrote on, you know, whereas, like, you know, the Rob Lowe roast, you're ripping into him, but at the end of the day, you tie it up by saying, hey, I wish I was you. You know, I wish I had your career. Exactly. And it's, I, mean, I think it's all, I think it's, you know, one of these things where, I do have genuine, like, I have more love for wrestling than I do comedy by by a long shot, you know? So it's um, it's it's a very different situation, you know? Like, I actually, like, my, my at the end of it, I will sincerely say thank you for everything. And at that point, hopefully they're not throffing at the mouth. But, you know, wrestling has probably been way a way bigger part of my life than comedy has as far as... Like, since I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people realize that uh, why guys like us and Tony Hinchcliffe and, and Mike Lawrence and, and a few other guys who really love it, uh, Patrick Milligan, uh, you know, it's like a male soap opera. And uh, to me, it's not the same today as it was, like, when I grew up with it. Uh, right. Because, you know, when I watched it, I mean, I'm a little older than you. Like, there was no internet. So you really did believe that, like, Kamala was from Uganda. Uh, <laughs> or, or, you know, Abdullah the Butcher was from Savage God from the Sudan. Uh, but now, you know, like, okay. Kamala's well, just really, you wish he was still, you know, like, his reality is actually sadder. Oh, my God. He's got no legs, lives, uh, like, on the side of the road in, I think, uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, selling chairs he paints. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, like, nowadays, you knew Umaga wasn't some savage guy. His name was, like, Rick, and he lived in San Diego. Uh, but do you still watch it today? Because I do Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I watch SmackDown every week. I watch Raw every week. I had a New Japan uh, subscription, but I canceled it just because, like, I was like, if I hear it's a really good match, it's going to be on YouTube, you know, and I don't right. like want to sit through all of it. Okay, I'm. It's posting. Okay, I can tell you a couple of people that are on the dais because I finally found it. Mike Warren's posted a picture. Uh, well, the comics are like Shuli, Ron Funches, Taylor Williamson, me and James Madden are all great. None of which I'm really going to hit. Um, because it's kind of like, again, it's like, I, I guess Ron is the only one that you could kind of hit. But right. like, because he's the one who may be known by people. But everybody else, it's just like, you know, I mean, like, we're just a bunch of fucking nerds, fanboys who are bigger losers than the people that are on the dais. I mean, that's really the joke. There's no real joke there. But I will say Jarrett's going to be there. Uh, Sean Waltman, uh, X-Pac is going to be there. He's a really good dude. 
uh, and uh, Eric Bischoff is going to be there. All those three guys are going to be there. And Bruce yeah, I mean, and Conrad. Those are, uh, I mean, definitely Sean Wallman. And he is a great guy. He was at uh, Ralphie Mays Memorial. And uh, you could tell he was really sad. So he's a, good, yeah. he's a great dude. And, uh, you know, Bischoff's ripe for the takedown. Oh, yeah, of course. And there's some things, you know, like I do think there's some things off limits. You know, like I, I do think that there's some things that are off limits. But, like, and I, and I won't say which ones they are just in case a comedian does make fun of him for it. Right. Um, but I, I do think, like, well, uh, there's definitely some areas I haven't hit um, because of that, mostly with people who've passed. You know, that's, I think, where people get pretty touchy. Um, and I, I try to stick to just the dais, uh, although there's probably one or two hits outside the dais. But, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's only a couple ones that I'm like... Ooh, I don't know. I don't know how this one's going to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, these guys, you know, I would say pro wrestlers are the only ones who lose their friends at a bigger rate than comics. Uh, yeah, helicopter know. pilots, pro wrestlers, and then comedians. I mean, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's insane. I mean, I've, pro- I've probably known, in, I mean, I guess I've been doing it close to 20 <laughs> years, maybe 10 people who've committed suicide, you know, yeah. uh, and I mean, in, in the world of pro wrestling, it's it seems like at least two to three die a year, and they're not that old. Uh, yeah, I, I always used to say, which I may even say in the days, but pr- probably not. But like, living to like forty six is like ninety five in wrestler years. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, you look at. Uh, I mean, I didn't even realize the other day one of my favorites, Rick Rude, died at like forty one. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. AJ Styles is wrestling at forty one now, and he's the WWE champion. It's crazy to think yeah, that. Yeah, and like, you know, Sting's 56, and then like, the world of pro wrestling, that's like a legit 100 years in the <laughs> real world. Yeah, I mean, these but, these guys have been put through fucking hell. Way worse than, I'm, you know, uh, professional athletes, which which they are. They're, if, you, if you say like, you know, if you, if, if you say figure skating is a sport, then professional wrestling is a sport. You know, because oh, just I, something is choreographed. I mean, or the, uh, the results are like predetermined, but you know I've got I've seen clips of the Big Show when he was like younger in Japan doing like a moonsault off the top rope. Like these guys are, and AJ Styles is insane. It's insane. Uh, and you know Samoa Joe, like he doesn't like you wouldn't think he's athletic if you just looked at his body, but like he can do things I certainly can't. Uh, so yeah, these guys are incredible athletes. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's, it is kind of sad though. Like, that, did you see the uh, Andre the Giant documentary? I did. Yeah, and the the end of it is is brutal. Uh, yeah, I mean, they just as soon as his body started breaking down, it was like, "See you later, bro. We got this blonde guy from Venice Beach. That's your replacement. Hit it, yeah. Jack." Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, I didn't really like it because. You know, you could tell the WWE had their fingerprints on it, and they kind of made themselves look a little better than, uh, you know, if an outside... I mean, I realize you need them involved if you want the footage, uh, but they abandoned him. Uh, well, that's why it's know, it, it's so interesting if you watch, like, you know, the ECW documentary WWE did, and then the unofficial ECW documentary. I always think, like, the story's probably in the middle of both of them. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, if you, if you I, watch you know, both of those together. 
you know, when you see Vince McMahon crying, you know, at the end, it's like, <laughs> come on, man, you pushed him to an early grave. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I find the best pro wrestling documentaries are the kind of the, the ones the fans make on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there should be an off-season that would be, and it doesn't have to be an off-season, off-season, but every wrestler should have a mandatory three or four months off a year, um, and I get why they don't. Um, and, I mean, the big thing is they should there should be health insurance that's not just catastrophic, you know? Yeah, I mean, these guys really, you know, I often uh, put pro wrestling and stand-ups in the same class, uh but they have to work out. We don't. Yeah, I mean, and also we're not, you know, we're not employed by uh, one one company. So there there is kind of a bigger, like we actually do have, I think, more to gain from a freelancer standpoint. Although, you know, I say this, and I have great health insurance because I'm in the WGA. So, you know, if there was a way to do it with a stand, but it, now it's like, how do you define? Like what? Then you would say, okay, well, a basic income for a stand-up is like thirty thousand dollars a year. Um, like that's that's what you would probably because you know that's what it is with the guild. It's like thirty or thirty-six thousand dollars a year you have to make to still be considered part of uh, the writers' guild. So I, right, I, right. I guess you would have to say, you know, where where would that there? You know, like uh, there's not there's not a lot of journeyman stand-ups. You know, like there's. So that uh, you know, I, I feel like you're, you're, you know, that's not totally true either. You know, I mean, it's just that income. You can't like be making you know five thousand dollars a year as a stand up, and then like, you know, maybe that should qualify you as part of the union. I'm not sure. I mean, I, that that's I was about to say it shouldn't, but that sounds rather callous. Um, but that would, I, mean, I think it would so be too, it would be too difficult to figure out. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different levels of you know stand-up in terms of what you consider making a living, you know, to some there's, you know, road comics who are in their 60s who love it. Uh, yeah, I would definitely consider those guys making a living, absolutely. Yeah, and then there's, you know, comics who maybe are L.A.-based and, you know, they supplement their stand-up income by doing audience warm-up, uh, like you say, a Gary Cannon or Don Barris. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you have, uh, like, I started branching out myself into the voiceover field, which is awesome. Uh, so there's there's that, you know. And then you you have, you know, younger comics like a Taylor Williamson is just, a, you know, every week he's in another city. And, you know, then you have guys like you who, like, you're the perfect, like, you do a little bit of everything, stand-up, writing, uh, you know, comedy albums, which we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, I mean, you're a, you're like a five tool player. Like, yeah, what do you I like? Mean, uh, you know, what do you like doing the most? Not doing shit. <laughs> uh, that would be my number one thing. <laughs> you know, like uh, sitting under a tree and reading. I, I I I would say that. You know, I'm not sure, man. I think I gotta mix it up. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things you really like to do. You know, like. Look, the biggest gift in the world is like when you're on a staff and then you have like a month off to do stand up and the first for the first couple of weeks, you know, you're doing 15 minute spots in New York or 10 minute spots in LA and you're booked on all these really great shows and and you're doing, you know, your A or maybe like two new bits that really work. You know, the best feeling in the world is always going to be that when you when you write that bit that day and then you go on stage and it works. There's nothing that's going to come close to that. 
Uh, the sexual high. Yeah, yeah, there's the absolute high. And I, and I've talked to like other uh, you know like uh w- when comics are you know starting out and they're like what did you know and I'm like well you get the biggest reward first. You actually get the first you do the hardest shit first which is like you got to bark you, you know some people bring and then you go from like MC to feature and that but but the the best thing you get you can get right away which is you write a joke and you tell it on stage at an open mic. And it makes everybody in the room laugh. Like that's that's huge. Uh, so I, I I I think that that's still the number one feeling. But you know, as you get older, you want other shit. You know, so you know, uh, I definitely uh, you know my goals have definitely. Ch- I don't really have goals anymore. <laughs> I think that that's what's changed. I think that's kind of what's changed. I just kind of keep. I mean, I'm working on projects. I hope some go someplace now, but I. You know, I, I, you know, like planning your life or your career, it, it's almost just that one thing of, you know, put one foot in front of the other first, you know, what do the next right thing. And, uh, you know, you, but to, to set, a, you know, career expectations for yourself, you're going to you're just going to end up disappointing yourself because I did that for a while and then I would get fucked up over it or I would drink over it, um, you know, and I would I was uh you know, and I think I was shittier to people for, because of that. Um, you know, so I think that that was that was kind of important to, you know, move to to take expectations out of the game. And you know, I've always uh, I've always been happy. You know, I always said like uh, like, hey man, I'll never be Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen, but it, it would be great to be Warren Zevon. You know, have a couple good tunes. <laughs> And people, oh, so, well, I, you know, I think so. So much is out of our control, right? Uh, you know, you could be the. I mean, some of the funniest people I know are you'll probably never hear of just because mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're socially awkward. They're not good with uh, the networking aspects of the game, and uh, you know, that's the more I've done this business, is I'm starting to realize that's as important as writing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm I mean, uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, I mean, I but. never like. I think it's just, um, you know, putting yourself out there. Look, man. I mean, I, I don't, you know, like I don't like to really drink when I like to hang out with people. It's usually three or four people in a room. It's not like I want to be at a party or, you know, I like to go home with my girlfriend and watch like, uh, you know, a TV show on my night off. I don't like to hang out at a show. It's just that's never been. My bag. I did it when I started out, um, but it, it's just never been my uh, my forte or or something that I'm. I've, and maybe that's been a detriment at times. But uh, I don't know, man. You kind of got to have a life too, you know. You, you you have to have a life outside of this shit because it's like that. It's a, not to be too self indulgent or dramatic, which is exactly what this is. But uh, you know that you know you know that uh, you've seen The Wire, right? Yeah, 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 but that whole scene, it's like, you've got, where he's like, you know, like, uh, uh, where the one character says to McNulty, like, uh, life is the stuff that happens between the moments that never come, or something like that, it's like, right, you know, and that that's really what it is, you kind of have to ba- have a foundation outside of this shit, because, well, man, I was, you know, I was writing on show to show to show, and this album that came out, like, came out a couple weeks ago, um, and then, you know, now it's like back to into the great wide open, you know, you're, I'm looking, 
you know, for work again and uh, trying to put together stuff again, put together projects again. And, you know, you're almost back to square one because you're not the new thing. You're not the old thing. You're just kind of a thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I, uh, yeah, I don't even know what I was what I was saying there. I think it veered off into uh, some sort of, you know, existential crisis, but... (laughs) Well, that's the whole point of this podcast is I don't really plan any questions, <laughs> so we just veer off into the abyss. Yeah. But, uh, but that's a good name for well, the but, but you're right, though. Like, I think some people think, oh, my God, they get on Conan or, you know, Kimmel or whatever, and then, you know, the doors just, you know, the floodgates open, uh, you know, because I think we all, you know, like when I was first starting the stand-up, I saw David Brenner, I think, said, that literally the day after he did the tonight show uh, he had like a year's worth of road work lined up in other tv gigs but that was when you know the tonight show was the only stand-up form on tv right you know? so now there's like probably six or seven uh late night talk shows that have stand-up on to some capacity there's comedy central there's netflix there's hulu i mean logo does you know gayer themed stand-up stuff but uh, you know, there's, you know, a boatload of stand up on YouTube and, uh, Amazon. So, uh, I think you always have to be going, okay, I did Conan this week. What do I got to do next week? What show do I have to get on? Or, uh, cause you've done a ton of TV shows and you're still like looking for that next project. Oh yeah. Well, no, I mean, all you do when you do a late night set is you remind the comedy world that you still exist and you have, uh, you know, you have a set to send with whatever other project you're trying to sell. You know, like I've been in this business, uh, you know, for 12 years and I still haven't built up a following, you know, and some of that's on me, man. A lot of that, you know, there's a lot of the times where I, I, uh, I was off the wagon and I was, I was probably not performing to the best level and I was focused on too many bright, shiny things and not really focusing on my act and, you know, I have accountability for that, uh, but it's also because it's fucking hard, man. It's like, you know, you, you can sit there and think a million times, like, you know, what I, uh, you know, what. But yeah, it 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 takes a it takes a while, and like you said before, there's there's so many modes of entertainment, and we're kind of and and there's probably, I mean, it's there's probably because there's m- more people in the world than there ever has been. There's probably more great stand-ups in the world than there ever has been, and there's only so many eyeballs because there's so many forms of entertainment. So you kind of got to keep trekking. I mean, I don't know. Man, I can't think of one late-night set that's made anybody in... I mean, I, I think, uh, like, you know, like Last Comic Standing in the early years did, but I can't think of one stand-up set that's, like, really... that's been, like, that five- or six- or seven-minute set that's really just, like been like paved the way you know yeah yeah no it's like you know that's because it it just there's almost an overload of comedy anywhere you look you know i know netflix just did i think 47 specials in one day and and like they had the 15 minute specials now uh and then you know dean del rey was just on conan monday night but he's doing it right because the next day he was on an airplane to go to minnesota like yeah you know, I know, like, I've seen it with a few roast battle comics, which is not necessarily stand-up. Uh, you know, they think they're going to get on 
you know, whatever uh, season they're on or whatever episode airs, and then the, the next day Hollywood's going to be calling. It's like it just doesn't work like that anymore. No, it doesn't. And also it's like L.A.'s kind of a weird thing. It's like, oh, I'm prepping my roast set. And you're like, well, that's great if you want to write on the roast. But, like, you know, that that all, you know, like everything has its time, you know. So it's like, you know, in a couple of years the roast thing won't be as hot and it'll be something else. So you, you, you kind of have to have a couple tools at your disposal. I mean, oh, I was the same, sure. you know, like, look, man, it was the same thing. Like, there was a year where it was like I sold – a show to Fox and Comedy Central and was like a variety comic to watch and did a half-hour special and did Conan and all this shit. And then I had a, I got another script deal from Fox the next year, but then after that it was like it was like January 2015, and then all that stuff was gone. And, you know, it didn't go for whatever reason. Maybe I could have, you know, I, I, I can't, I you know I thought I did the best job I could, but maybe it just wasn't right for that time. You know, who knows? Um but then it was those things where I was like, I, you know, I, I because I was like kind of drinking and, um, hey, you know, and I, and I don't mean to like, like, cause, cause the scripts didn't suffer, but I think because I was drinking, I wasn't writing enough new bits. So then I got on the road with some older bits, um, and it still did well, but it was like, I was kind of playing catch up in a little bit, in a little bit of ways, um. And then, you know, I kind of found uh, a different world, which was the writing world, and. You know, being like, okay, so you're not the guy or the or the girl, but maybe you can be the guy behind the guy or girl. You know, and then I kind of got into staffing after that, which has done great things for my fucking ego and personality because, you know, not everything is as precious. You learn to you you quickly learn you're not the funniest person in the room, which is sometimes that's hard to do as a stand up because you're only seeing the person before you and after you. Um, and you realize it's more of a collaborative effort and, uh, and you kind of really see how something is made. I almost wish I had flipped the order and was staffed for a couple of years and then got the script deals because I've learned so much in those couple of years, um, just about, uh, just about how story works and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you see the writer's rooms for, you know, really a lot like the Carmichael show. I, I knew a lot of friends on that, and it's like, my God, it's like everyone's funny. Like everyone's a an established stand up, or you know, they've written on this show or that show, and and then you, you certainly see on the Comedy Central roast. It's like, my God, you know, like you got Mike Lawrence, Sarah Tiana, Tony Hinchcliffe, you know, a couple other people. I you know had recognized their names. It's like, my God, that's I mean, the the competitive juices must be so like I've got to outdo this person. Which makes at the end a better product. Uh, you know, I I would shut down on that because I just I'm so used to writing. How do you prefer to write? Because I love writing alone. Uh, but well, stand up's the fly. hardest thing to write in the world. Um, you know, I think you know. Obviously, if I if I if I had my, if, you know, if I really had my say in life, like what I would want to do. I'd probably be writing dramatic thrillers during the day that are screenplays and at night doing stand-up. That would be my ideal career goal, you know? Um, right. But, uh, you know, um, that's not really where it is. I mean, really, dude, it, it just depends on the room. Like, I, there's certain people that you love writing with, and there's certain times you just don't gel with somebody. Um, so it really depends. I mean, I, I'm working on some projects now. With people where we just kind of like the ideas, and that's been fun. Um, so, 
yeah, it's uh, it, it really just depends on, you know, what the situation is. Now let's get to the good stuff. You've got a new album out called No Real Winners here. You People can buy it at the usual spots, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, correct? Yeah, and uh, it's it's best if you buy it. You know, if you want to stream it, that's great. It's best if you buy it. It's on the 800-pound Gorilla Records uh, website. It's also on my website. So there's a, a million ways to listen to it. Now, how do you, you know, we're talking about writing and uh you know, I've always been fascinated by, uh, like, how people write their TV set, which is a four-and-a-half-minute set. But how do you go about writing an, an hour's worth of material for, for the album? Like, uh, the, do you, like, just get the the content out and then look at it and go, okay, I want to put this here, there? I mean, how do you, I mean, I'm fascinated Man, by I really you- wish, dude, I wish I could be, I'm not talented enough to say, like, hey, this album is what this is about, this I've done two albums, and it's just the funny shit I've I think is funny enough to do in front of an audience to keep on an album, you know, for the past four years. And then as soon as you record it, you do that joke again, you find a new tag, and you're just kind of like, God damn it! Well, that joke's done forever. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know I, I would say that uh, you know there's not really for me there's it, it's just been like all right, well I gotta. You know, at a point where, you know, you're like, well, I'm not doing a special, so I just kind of got to get, you know, get rid of this material so I can just start working on new stuff. Uh, there hasn't been, you know, I definitely have like, you know, you definitely have something. It's like putting a roast set together. You're like, okay, well, this will flow better into this and that, which I was just doing before I got on the phone with you for the roast I'm doing tomorrow night. But, you know, it's it's kind of not rocket science. It's more just kind of like, all right, let's just throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Right. And do you like, do you put any great thought process in the order? No, I mean, yes. In the sense that like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's categorized, but like, you know, when you look at my tracks on the album, (laughs) some of them are like getting fucked up and then getting really fucked up. It's not like I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to come up with some sort of, like, you know, verbose, grandiose track name or, like, this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on religion or this is where I'm going to touch on race. And partially because a lot of that shit still confuses me, you know. So I I, uh, I still, you know, I, I still am like, all right, funny first. I know, I, you know, I know I, 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 I know there's parts about me that are fallible. Um you know, so I, I'm, I don't really have a, I have a specific way. I, I and, and honestly, man, I hope my next album is a lot different. You know, I, if I do a next album, you know, if I if I ever come up with enough material to do either another album or a special, I hope it's, I hope it's a lot different. I hope it's one of those things where it makes the it makes the first album look kind of kind of weak. You know, you're like, oh, he's right, really like getting he- into shit now. You know, it's funny when you see comics with a lot of albums, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be that. Like, I may be a guy that just does two albums and then is a writer rooms guy, or I, or I may be a guy who can't get any work and is out of the business. You know, but it's it's funny. Like when you see some, it's funny when you see, look at a comedian's trajectory, their career. Like for the most part, it's like the first couple of things are like, eh, there's some good stuff there, and then they hit like a kind of a rocket ship where it's like. Oh, that was really good. That was just good. That was excellent. That was all right. That was excellent. And and they live in that peak, and then the last couple suck. <laughs> so 
So they kind of like return to where they are in the where they were in the beginning. You know, right, it's, right. We, it's mean, this weird arc. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you do. I find some comics. You look at their first, you know, jokes that you remember them doing, and then five years later, they would never do those jokes because they aren't good enough for where they're at now. Do you find that with you? Like, do you still do? Jokes? I mean, I get sick of shit for sure. I mean, I have been on occasion. There's a couple cheap jokes I'll do, like if I'm with a really stupid audience. Um, you know, I'll throw one in there, but I mean, like right now it's kind of like, you know, I just did the comic strip two nights ago and it's so funny, man. It's like you do the strip and I'm, you know, it's like shit, you know, like I've done the club a lot. I don't, you know, I, I, I only do like a couple spots a month there. I'm not like, uh, used a ton and I, you know, I have a lot of respect for that club, but you do, you know, you're on stage, you're like, all right, I've headlined, I've done like a half hour special, I know how to do this. And then you're on stage, and then you see like uh, Richie, who owns the comic, co- who owns the, uh, you know, fucking comic strip, and he's in the back with the new comics. And then immediately you become this kid who's a year and a half wanting to get somebody's approval again. So it's funny, like psychologically, like what can happen, um, you know, when you're on stage still. Uh, I, I, I have noticed the one benefit. Is you know, of course, I've gotten better as a comic, um, as every comic I think does. Uh, although, although I will say, after you write on a staff, you have about a month of kind of learning how to ride a bike again. But I, I have noticed that I've been able to bomb more gracefully. That's that's the biggest difference. Like I can bomb now and not ruin a show. That's probably the greatest. In, in that's the uh, the if you really want to look at like the. The bare minimum of a win, I can bomb and just have people be like, ugh, I didn't really like it. <laughs> Rather than, well, which some comics would say that's you either want to kill or you want to piss everybody off. Um, but I think that that's the one thing that I've noticed where I was like, I can have a bad set and not ruin the show. Well, I think uh, it's almost like the Johnny Carson, you know, a lot of people thought he was funniest when he was bombing because of his ability to recover. Right. Um, which I've certainly mastered. I've probably bombed more than every comic in the country combined. But <laughs> I think uh, as you, and not necessarily every comic gets better the longer they do it, uh, but I think the more you get experienced, that, you know, because it is a subtle art to recover after a joke doesn't go well, and uh, and I guess it depends on your style. Like if you're a little more abrasive, I think the bomb is harder than say if you're likable and you bomb i think the audience is a little more apt to give you a little uh more uh, rope to uh you know get back into the uh mountain so to speak but uh, you're a pretty likable dude so well uh, you know i have you know i definitely haven't been before but i think like i definitely have had um like uh, i think that there's a way to um also it's weird now like the people who sell out now like a lot of things that sell out now are like like you said before it could be a podcast it could be a wrestling podcast like and i think that like people from hearing podcasts they don't expect the same laugh per minute ratio that they did in the 80s 90s right uh and and even 2000s like the aughts i think you've been kind of able to get away with a little bit more but you know the bottom line is if you don't draw you don't draw you know like they're not gonna have you back unless you 
Because I, I have noticed one one trend that's a little bit, I think, and I've, I've talked to a lot of friends about this, that's a little bit, to, uh, you know, kind of tough for uh, people in my category who have, like, credits but don't really have an audience is that uh, – is that we notice that, like, because well, if you're a comedy club and you're booking people, right? Like, on the road especially, what are you going to book? You're going to book, like, a surefire person that's going to sell the room out, right? And you know you're going to have to give a bunch of money, but you know you're going to see that back. Or you're going you're gonna to book, like, the new, the new person because then you have access, like, whoever is, you know, had just been signed by an agency or something like that, because then you're going to have an access for that kind of old guard person, right, who you know is going to sell the room out. Or you're going to, like, cut the money, uh, not have to spend a travel expense and spend less money for a local headliner who you know will kill in the room. So it's kind of tough when you're a person who's just got a lot of credits and no following um, because it's like, well, you're going to be at a higher rate than the road guy, and you're not the fresh new thing, and you're also not a guarantee to draw. This is honestly the worst promotional podcast I've ever done for myself because I'm being as real as possible with you about how well, I that's what I want. Road. But, yeah, but I, I think that that's, so I think it, you know, I guess it's the equivalent of like a sophomore year slump. And I, and honestly, dude, I get it, but it's like, well, yeah, but I've done these f- f- five late night sets and it's like, and you're like, Oh, I've done, but I've done this and this and this. And it's like, well, that's great, man. But the show's not fucking packed. So, you know, why am I, what what am I going to do? Am I going to pay? You know, am I gonna, I can pay somebody a cheaper rate, you know, who's going to put a chicken on their head and dance, you know, to the Austin Powers theme song, or oh, yeah, I can I mean, we can put all our money and try to get somebody we know is going to fucking sell out a room. I mean, it's a double edged sword. I mean, yeah, you want ultimately someone like <laughs> you or uh, Mike Lawrence or me or yeah, and I think I mean, Mike I has a, my... a way bigger following than myself, by the way. But like, it is funny because sometimes you see I, this. I don't think so, but like you, I, you know, you guys are incredibly funny. Uh, you know, so th- that base is covered for the comedy club. But if there's an Instagram model, you know, yeah. with two million followers, it's like why not? And I get it. You got waitresses and wait staff to support and. It's just so funny. It'll be like, uh, like you'll literally like look at sometimes you'll get like a club's calendar, and then like what you know, one weekend it'll be a surefire person that you know is going to sell something, sell a place out like an Ali Wong type or something like that. Which she's probably no, she's playing theaters now, so she's like in that next level. Um, and then the next week you'll be like uh, Davin the impersonator. You're like what? <laughs> And you know you'll look at his credits and you'll be like, "What you did? You did like laugh off in Toronto in '86," and you and you see like how a club is spending their money. It's 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 it, it, it's interesting, which is kind of why oh, yeah. I'm also I mean, transitioning I've... into writing because it's like it's a lot more stable with income. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, writing is where the money's at. I mean, you know, I always tell people if you do stand up for money, at least in L.A., uh, you'll quit after three months. Uh, because there's not a lot of money in stand-up, if you know, unless you're a big name. Uh, but you know, I was talking to an Instagram model the other night at the comedy store. She's like, "Yeah, I'm booked here. Uh, you know, Friday night." I'm like, "That's have you ever done it before?" She's like, "Not really." Um, I'm like, "This is crazy." You know, I used to think that that was, I used to think that that was terrible. But now I think in a in a in, in like a more fun existential 
like sort of way. It's kind of great where it's it makes you rem- it kind of reminds you like, oh, comedy isn't that important. And I can now find a life outside of it <laughs> because like it's like it's like I really am a fool. You know, like I, I am the I am a clown like and because of that, I am a little bit disposable. And maybe in that sense, some of the anxiety and depression that I have is also disposable. So maybe I should stop taking this shit so seriously if I know somebody, you know, if somebody beautiful can just replace me so people can just look at them. You know? Oh, I know. I get it. Yeah. uh, You know, I don't hate on this. She's actually a very nice girl, but, like, uh, you know, I'm a purist. You know, I want to, hey, hey, Dan's funny. Hey, Earl's funny. I, I love that joke they did about their love of pro wrestling or kiss or yeah, hockey yeah. or, uh, and this girl's probably just going to go up there with a low cut dress on. Cause she's got huge bombers and, uh, the, you know, the room will probably pack it out. Uh, you know, uh, that girl, uh, Bobby Brown, who was in that video, uh, the warrant video for cherry pie, just did a sold out show in the belly room at the comedy store. That's fucking never- awesome. That's hilarious. Oh, great. I, I don't hate <laughs> on her. Like, she's never done stand-up before, but, you know, I get why the club books her. You know, one tweet or one Instagram post, hey, I'll be here Friday night. It's a sellout. <laughs> it's I a mean, sellout. Then, you know, hopefully you get some good comics that are on there that kind of can support it. Um, yeah, you I, better. I, I, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, like, you know, I think it's almost like... You know, it's it's almost like looking at like a like a like a landmark. You know what I mean? Like if I saw like Troy o- o- Aikman was like, I'm gonna do a comedy set. Like I know it's gonna be terrible, but I'm just gonna like stare at it. It's similar to like when you go to New York City and you go to the Empire State Building, you look at it and you're like, okay, now I've seen that and I can move on. You know, I feel like that those were those. Bo- that's what the kind of like those bookings are, where it's like, okay, I've seen this. Now I can now I can say that I saw this. Was it good? Yeah, no, it was I fine. It. I went there. You know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, you know, as a like I said, a purist, and I think yeah. you and I are both like stand-up purists, and we want to write the best jokes for ourselves, and we want the audience to go, "That person's funny." I understand why Screech got booked all over the country. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's insane to me that that's our business, but you know, I, I understand that you know, clubs got to make money and. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I see it. I, I don't know how it's like in New York, but like LA, I see it all the time. You know, uh, Jeremy Pibbins doing comedy now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he came up to me at the back of the comedy store about two months ago and he just looks at me and goes, I think I got this now. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know what you have, but it ain't that. I haven't but, seen his act. I've been on a couple shows with him. Uh, I've not seen his act. I mean, I, listen, I got to concentrate on my own stand-up. It's not like I'm... But here, of, here's but. the thing. There's some people, like, I actually heard, which I don't know if I'm allowed to... I, I, I'll tell you off-air, but I heard somebody's about to do stand-up for the first time that I'm actually fucking pumped about, and I think that, like, they're going to knock it out of the park, which I'll, which I'll tell you over text. Um, yeah. But that's the... And that's, it's the first time that's ever happened for me, by the way, where I've been like, holy shit, I can't wait to see what they come up with. Um, and that's yeah, I mean, it's, I a, it's a person who's been in the comedy field forever. They just haven't done stand up before. Um, but, uh, you, you know, and they've kind of almost done stand up. But I'll, I'll tell you after this. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, you know, like, but once you get to that level, like if you're that like if you're that rich, like if you're Jeremy Piven, you're just going to fucking you have enough money where you can probably pay 
you know, five writers. Like if I if I'm if I'm if I'm Jeremy Piven, right, and I'm gonna make, I don't know. Let's say he's able to make. What do you think? A half a million dollars a year doing stand up, right? Yeah, why not? Then, like, what I do is I set up a room, right, where for two weeks I bring in like three stand ups, you know, pay them like five grand each, like uh, for each week, right? So that's like, you know, uh, you know, thirty grand. I give that money and then, or I pay like fifty grand, and then you know I've got an act, and then I can sprinkle in some stuff here and there, maybe give them some bullet points, you know, because like I, I essentially will get like like first the probably the you know like a true genius that I've worked for is Michelle Wolf, and she wrote right. half of her monologue every week. You know, we we would you know write the monologue and and help with that, um, you know, but like she was a big part of that monologue. And she's get, she gets so much stuff out, but it's like if you get three good stand-up writers, you could probably, you know, and give the guys act, and you pay them, and you're like, hey, sit down, or even like like three really good jokes with, you know, here's I'm gonna put fifty grand towards you guys sitting in a room and coming up with my act for two or three weeks, and and you're already a good actor. I think you could probably get by if not do pretty good. It's just the question of whether or not you want to put the money down. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. It's you know, I don't consider myself such an authority on yeah. comedy that I, I should say this person shouldn't do it. Or, you know, John Mayer likes he he's got a love of stand up. Uh, you know, I guess the only thing that bothers me is when they don't necessarily take it seriously, and it's like, you know, don't waste our time. Like, you know, this is our job. Uh, you know, I wouldn't walk on stage in the middle of a John Mayer concert. Go hey, can I play guitar? Uh, yeah, but you know what though, if 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 like I was in the middle of Bruce Springsteen's sh- show and he's like, "Hey, can you help me sing Thunder Road?" I would jump up and do it. That's why I don't blame any of these guys. Like even oh, though I everyone would else too. would fucking boo the shit out of me, I would still be like, "Fuck you!" I get to sing with Bruce Springsteen. I get to sing with the East Street Band and back me in front of fucking you know thirty thousand people. I mean, if I you know I just saw Saturday Night Journey and Def Leppard and if you know. Def Leppard called me up and said, hey, our drummer's arm is tired. Can you help him out? I'd do it in two seconds. Uh, <laughs> have you ever drummed before? Not really. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I want you to do it. I, yeah. I, I, but, My dream at know, this point uh, is to dance with Bruce as Courtney Cox in Dancing in the Dark, you know? Oh, I'm a big Springsteen guy, yeah. although it's not. I'm such a, a Clarence Clemens fan that... Uh, Although his cousin Jake is uh, amazing, it just it's it's tough to see yeah, without Clarence. It, it, it's it's tough. You know, you know who we got to work with um, at the at the break, and now I have one of his shirts and like a signed headshot from him is uh, Tim Capello, the saxophonist from uh, Tina Turner, who was in the Lost Boys, is the shirtless guy who's saying, "I still believe." Oh wow! Yeah, it was so cool. It's funny he comes to the show. With like four different cod pieces, and uh, or I guess cock pieces. I don't know what what do they what do you call it? banana hammocks? What I don't know what it is, but no, no, uh, it's what the just what Gene Simmons wears the he, cod piece the cod piece right yeah. So you you know he comes out that with jeans and like he picks between which cod piece he wants to do and um, it's just uh, you know like all those songs. I I just love that guy's bio. His Wikipedia has the funniest thing I've ever seen, where it's like he used to be Timmy Capal. 
Capello, but after going to Nepal, he went by Tim Capello. <laughs> like, I know. It's, it's the I mean, craziest spiritual journey I've ever seen. I used to be Daniel, but now because of the Buddha, I am Dan. Uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, with Earl, there's not a lot of variables I can uh, no. give myself. Uh, but now you mentioned I know uh, you got to... Uh, you got a big gig tonight, so you got to get going in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, I've always uh, been fascinated in our world of it uh, being full of depression and yeah. anxiety. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, because I was in I'm Dying up here, would, would come up to me and go, well, dude, it's, it's not that funny from the standpoint of yuck, yuck, laugh. Right. It's like, well, stand-up's a, you know, it's a sad business, you know, it, it's. You know the the rejection we face. Even someone like you, who's been on. Oh yeah, I mean, it never. You know, it never. That's why I love Penn and Teller. Where they, they, you know, I think like the one who talks, which I think is Penn, right? Um, you know, had had has said that like, you know, like uh, he had once said like, I want to start at the bottom and end at the bottom. You know, like <laughs> that. That's the and, the, the, the and there's kind of like a beautiful romance to that of like. I'm going to start, you know, with nothing, and then I'm still going to be doing this shit when I end with nothing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, for me, of course, I mean, I'm on, like, fucking, you know, I've struggled with alcoholism. I've struggled with eating disorders. I've struggled with, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm on antidepressants now for, I mean, it's bipolar meds. I really wouldn't consider myself bipolar. I think I just have extreme pounds of depression. Um, I'm on anxiety meds. Um, I go, you know, I go to a 12 step group. I go to therapy. I've done various forms of like obsessive compulsive disorder therapy. I, I meditate every day. I pray every day. I write a gratitude list every day. I make sure I make my calls every day. Like there's some stuff that I, and because of that, I think I've been able to like actually, uh, be a partner and be somebody who's worth a shit to date. Um, right. and, uh, you know, I, I and and you know, I lost a little weight, although I just ate a fucking chili cheese dog before I did this podcast. But yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I want to keep it real. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I, I've, I've like, uh, you know, I, I, I think it is. I, I think it's, you know, I, I think that a lot of comics have the. I mean, for me, I can't speak for everybody, um, but you know, I definitely shut down a lot. You know. And I think it's a business where you can be very selfish. Um, so I've, I've, you almost have to be. You have to be, and then, but then you have to also counterbalance that by being like, "All right, well, when is that too much? When does that become, you know, just about me again?" And you know, and I, you know, that's the that's why you kind of have to. I feel like have some sort of life outside of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like it's. It's tough, man. I mean, you see it at every comedy club. The guys who are, and girls are hanging out at the back waiting for for uh, for stage time. Or, um, you know, and uh, and that's their night. Their night is not doing a set. Their night is waiting around. And that's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's tough, man. That's like being the guy who graduated high school and still wearing the varsity jacket and you're hanging out, you know, <laughs> in the parking lot watching shit happen. You're not really living in the moment that way, uh, so it, it, it's it's tough. But if you you know if you, I think if you concentrate on the art of it, and uh, and and why you love to do it, rather than 
the results, uh, if you concentrate on the work and not the results, then you're going to be a way happier person in general. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't think people realize that the constant rejection we face in this business. Constantly. I mean, Constantly. I mean, every, I mean, like, people look at you and, like, You've been on Dude, Fallon I, I, a few times. Yeah, I will. Fallon a few times. It just uh, fell got, once, but yeah. I mean, I, 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 I will, I'll give you, I'll give you a story credit. right now, and I won't tell you what show it is. I had, uh, you know, I thought I had a date locked in to do a show last month, and then we sent in uh, a new bit, and it didn't work. You know, so it's like they we're like, all right, we getting another date again, or is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And I definitely have situations where you're like, oh, I'm definitely getting this job, and then. You know, they don't hire you or the or the show goes away or the, you know, I mean, I've been, I remember I got a role on the new girl. I was so excited and then changed my travel plans and then they, you know, they cut the role and I've been in sitcom writers rooms. I know why that happens. I've had to fucking cut roles before. So it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's a, t- it's, it's a tough business, which is why you kind of have to, you know, but that's also, man, how great is it that we're fucking doing comedy and stand up and. And you have a podcast that you can, you know, you can do every week, and you know that if you really need to get on stage, you can go at some shitty open mic and get on stage, even if you bomb. If you're an actor or an actress or a writer, and you're just writing for yourself, or you're just act like, like or you have to put up a whole production, and you're hoping people come. Like the cool thing about stand up is, is that you still have an outlet to do that. Um, oh, for sure. And that, and that's, and that's, and that's. Uh, and that's pretty awesome, you know, and I, I always have to remember that, that like, you know, some of my, you know, like when a show ends and I see like, you know, a, a, my friends who are actors who are struggling to get their next job or my friends that, you know, are just writers that are struggling to get their next job. I, I know that I can at least go to a 6 p.m. open mic and try out some new shit. And that's and that's pretty fucking cool. And it, that sounds depressing, but it, it, it it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I mean it. It's stand up, you know, is something you can do every night of the week, and like, you know, in, in one sense, uh, you know, I think that's why podcasts have taken off so much is because that's probably the only thing I'm, I'm just speaking for myself uh, that I'm in control of. Like, yeah, uh, like in, in like I, you know, I, I haven't had one guest on who I have not wanted to talk to, and. You know, you know, I've tried to model myself after Rogan, you know, get different guests and, you know, not just UFC fighters in his case. You know, he could just live off of interviewing UFC fighters, but he does. Oh, yeah, he, absolutely. You know, he has, you know, people who think the earth is flat and, you know, LSD scientists on and, and, but like. Yeah, that guy could have, I mean, he's the new Carson. That guy could ever, I think I made the mistake, you know, I think, uh, I made the mistake of like, uh, having, uh, my reps like reach out to try to get the podcast, and I wish I had just let him discover me because I, I definitely don't want myself shoved down that guy's throat. He gets that enough. Um, yeah, but, I yeah. mean, I've, I think he's gone on, uh, you know, record as saying the quickest way to not do my podcast is to ask to be on it. Um, <laughs> well, I'm never so. doing Joe Rogan's podcast then. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think yeah, he's definitely strikes me as the type of. <laughs> He'll come to you. Yeah. Uh, and, but he, yeah, I mean, someone asked me the other day, what would I, you know, because I haven't been on TV yet as a stand up, uh, what would I rather do, a late night spot or Rogan? And I was like, Rogan, you know, just. Oh, absolutely. 
And I would love now, to now. Now I'm, like I'm self conscious about my reps who have reached out. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I. But I mean, I'm sure he respects the yeah, hustle yeah. too of, of, of yeah, your yeah. reps doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, at some point you have to make it known you want something, which has always been my problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a fine line of. It's a fine line. You know, of like not wanting to bug people, but. You know, it's like if you want to be in at a particular comedy club, you know, whether it be the cellar in New York or the comedy store out here, like you don't want to bug the booker or the talent coordinator. But if you don't bug them, there's 10 other comics who will bug them. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's a tough situation, you know. As for, I mean, there's still clubs that I'm not passed at or I, I work, you know, ir- irregularly, irregularly at. Um, so... That I'm still trying to get in the door, and you know, and I'm telling you this so everybody who's like, I've had pe, you know, like last night in particular, I was on a show with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, you're you're not in over there," and I'm like, "No, I just haven't I haven't auditioned <laughs> yet," you know, and it's like, uh, you know, people are shocked when that happens. It's like not one thing, and it goes back to what you're saying earlier. Nothing's Carson anymore. You can't just do one thing and then everything opens up. And also, you don't deserve everything. You know, you should be happy with the shit you get. You know, like, it's... it's. Uh, and I'm not saying don't fucking hustle and don't work your ass off. You should always be doing that. But, like, you know, un- you know you're just not going to get everything you want in life. It's just it's just not going to happen. So Not in stand-up. I mean, hell no. Uh, uh... You know, and then yeah, as soon I mean, as those like, guys get the stand up, as soon as you get into a level of stand up, then you're like, oh, I want to be a dramatic actor, and then you got to go up that, and then it's like, oh, I want to do my own projects, and then it ne- it never fucking ends. It's never enough. So like, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. You always want what you don't have, uh, right? You know, which uh, it, in life, but especially in stand up, you know, if you if you got a Conan set, well, then you want an HBO special or a Netflix special, right? If, if you have that, well, then you want to be, you know, Gerard Carmichael and, and get a show on, uh, you know, any network or a movie. Uh, right. If, you know, and I'm sure he wants something. You know, maybe he wants to be Adam Sandler. And, and then I'm sure Adam Sandler's as big as he is. You don't get any bigger. I'm sure he wants something. Maybe he wants to be the new Albert Brooks. And, and, or, or, yeah, or he's, you know, like, or he gets pissed off because the younger guys aren't giving him credit. You know, like, and that's just like... Like, I was with my couples therapist yesterday, and uh, he kind of explained to me that I'm a narcissist. And, you know, in the beginning, you're like, what does that mean? I'm, I'm completely self-involved or or, or self-centered. And, no, that's not what that means. Like, he explained it, and I, I thought he, he did a really great job of doing it. Like, a narcissist is like, like, when you're a kid, like, and he used me as an example. Like, you bring home, like, a grade, and, and you're like, hey, look, I got an A instead of a B. And then you, your your parent is like, oh, okay, cool. And then you're like, hey, I'm really good at this sport. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And you're like, hey, I told this funny joke. And then you made them laugh. And they're like, haha, that's great. And me seeing uh, their reaction is narcissism because I'm like, okay, I I I I'm I can like it's like you know I'm looking into uh, I'm seeking I'm seeking validation from from someone other than myself. I'm using it from an outside source and I, I'm using, looking at something that's going to, you know, like some, some, something that'll validate who I am. And that, and that's kind of what narcissism is. And unfortunately that's what we do as fucking comics. There's gotta be some of that there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think we're all narcissists. I yeah. mean, 
Like if if we were just in it, uh, you know, and not wanting the approval of others, we would just do stand up in our living room. Yeah, know, or we uh, would just be funny around other people. I mean, probably the the three funniest people that I've met in my life are not stand up comedians. You know, one's a security guard, one's a waiter, and uh, one's a graphic designer. You know, they're just yeah, the mean, funniest guys I've been around. I would say it's it, in the twenty years of stand up. You know, the, probably the funniest dude I know is my, my buddy Chris Ramirez. Uh, he, he just did stand up casually, but he was just so quick and such a great writer. But he really had no interest in being. A, a, he didn't want attention. Like he he didn't want to be on TV. He didn't want to. He didn't want a Netflix special. He he just liked hanging out with his friends and 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 basically doing shitty open mic bar shows just to to see us once or twice a week. Uh, but you know, I'm a narcissist. I want the attention. So well, it's not uh, it's not even the attention. It's it's the validation. Oh, you for know? sure. Like I, I want because I, I do I, people who just want attention. I think are truly psychotic. Uh, you know, like, well, I might be that too. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a, a person who wants attention is, you know, like you know, going into a, a CBS and be like, "I have a bomb," and you don't have a bomb. You know, like that—that's attention. But it's that validation on top of the attention. That's that's what no, leads you sure. down I mean, the road. That's why I always laugh at like one of my favorite groups is Kiss, and like you know, they've always painted themselves as we don't care about not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We don't read the reviews, you know, because their music is, you know, it's not really ever favorably reviewed by the, like, right. Rolling Stone-type critics. But I guarantee you Gene Simmons is the first person to read the reviews. <laughs> yeah, because, just about, because you saying, you know, like, I don't care about the reviews is you saying, I've, I've, I've been able to process that I'm getting bad reviews, and I know that I don't care about them. <laughs> like, now I'm seeing my identity as someone who doesn't care about the reviews, but you're still basing that off of someone's opinion of you. Yeah, I, mean, I think anyone who says they don't care about the reviews or, you know, are the first people who read the reviews. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I myself, uh, I don't read anything, you know, after going on Reddit after my roast battle, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't read any reviews in my stand Oh, yeah, I just uh, went on Reddit the other day on something, and, yeah, they were tearing me apart. Um, I mean, you talk about, if you want to spiral into a deep depression. Oh, YouTube comments after a late night set are, like, the worst. Like, I, I oh, remember my. one time I, I did a, fa I'm like, okay, well, 60% of these are favorable comments and 40% are negative. Um, but, uh, you know, like, uh, and I, and I gotta head out of here in a second bit, but you know, like my dad is a playwright and like every time, you know, like, you know, he would sit by the reviews and like, if it was a good review, he would be in a good, in a decent mood. And if it was a bad review, it would ruin a weekend. So it's like, I, you know, I've been trained, you know, like, you know, like trained to think that I love my dad. He's, he's the best. He's, he's like my best friend, but, uh, you know, it's just, that's the entertainment industry, you know, you hope you get the oh, attention. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if, if that wasn't the case, uh, you know, like I said, we'd be in our living rooms or, you know, playing hockey with our buddies, just cutting a few jokes and <laughs> having that be enough. Hopefully but, that will uh, be enough at some point. Well, the way my career is going, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, the biggest crowds I'm going to get are the guys on my hockey team. Listening <laughs> to me. But, uh, Dan, uh, Dude, thank, all, thank uh, you so much for having me on and I appreciate you setting this up. I know you don't do it a lot, so. I really I don't appreciate do it, it at all. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know. I really appreciate it. I really. Appreciate I think it. your uh, 
your sidekick Alex to uh, yeah. Thank you, Showbriz Studios. Check it out. Um, I'll do like quick plugs now. By uh, well, no real winners here. That's my album. Uh, I have a wrestling podcast, Total F and Marks, on all things comedy. I'm on the Ringer this month. The next co-hosting. Um, Mass Man, and uh, I'm also going to be doing the Bruce Pritchard Roast at StarCast, so check it out. And where can uh, my inappropriate Earl freaks find you on Twitter and Instagram? At DS Germain and Dan St. Germain on Instagram. S-T period G-E-R-M-A-I-N. Well, guys, Dan I Dan St. Say... is my website. You can get all my stuff. Uh, yes, go on uh, danstgermain.net. Yeah, I lost, uh, I lost the dot com. For uh, yeah, it's all good. It's a tough business. Uh, I have a dot org website myself, but uh, <laughs> go on dancingtermaine dot net. You've got uh, the links to buy a, a CD. No real winners here at all the available. Uh, you know, yes, you can stream it, but buy it. You know, put some money in Dan's pocket. Thank you. I I rarely say this uh, and mean it, but uh, you know, Dan's comedy speaks for itself. He's a great comic, uh, but he's also a great dude. And there's not many great people in both categories in this business so uh dan thank you so much thank you Earl. i feel the same way about you i really appreciate you having me on you have a you yeah have a i hope great... to see you soon uh well yeah hopefully i'll be out there this fall we'll we'll get a bite for sure inappropriate Earl, soundcloud and itunes guys dan saint go on it buy his album and we'll see you soon thanks buddy